True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. All right. Hello and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm Chris Towers. Joined by Scott White, Frank Stample is on vacation this week, and uh, he left us with a lot to cover this weekend, Scott. And I got it <laughs> just before we start. Just a quick shout out to my guy Scott White for helping me out with the notes. That was clutch. Thank you very much, Scott. I don't I don't know how Frank does this Sunday this mo- Monday morning show. There is way too much stuff to keep up with. I feel like yeah. I, I feel like I got to a lot of it, but I also like. I'm going to get to the end of the episode and you're probably going to be like, well, you didn't mention the most important thing of the day. And <laughs> I, I'm sure that's going to happen. But no, no, I feel confident that you're going to get everything that you need from this episode of Fantasy Baseball today. Speaking of that, on this episode, we're going to recap the weekend, including checking out what's up with all of the trade deadline headliners, where where they were hitting in their new lineups, what the next plan is. And who was replacing some of them in their key spots, especially in the bullpen. We're also going to be looking at uh, actually a handful of pretty big names came back from the injured list today or this weekend. Cattell Marte, Corey Seager, Mookie Betts. Uh, only two of those guys play for the Dodgers. Those are just two of the stars that play for the Dodgers. And we're also going to be uh, looking at which starting pitchers are in the circle of trust. This is uh, one of my favorite Scott White bits from... Well, it was probably like two years ago now, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. You don't remember? Circle. This? I you remember like a whole column. I, I didn't know it was a whole bit. I remember I did have a, I, I did refer to a circle of trust. I think, before. I think yes, you wrote a whole yes. column about which starting pitchers were in or out of the circle of trust. So that's what we're going to do because there um, were a lot of uh, pretty interesting performances this weekend. Um, some good, some bad. But first, we've got some really, really big news. Uh, Frankly, bad injury news about the best hitter and best pitcher in fantasy. So we'll start with Fernando Tatis on the IL again with a shoulder subluxation. Uh, this was uh, occurred, I think, was a Saturday while the, while running the bases. He slid awkwardly. This yeah, is now the Saturday. third time that this has been an issue for him with the left shoulder spring training. Obviously, when Frank Stample uh, backed out of eating a hat. Um 
when <laughs> Fernando Tatis came back from that injury the first time. My cats are fighting in the background. Good timing, girls. And Fernando Tatis has been placed on the 10-day IL. He's going to rest and rehab the shoulder, but, and this is key, Jace Tingler talking to the media today did say that surgery is on the table. Didn't make it sound like surgery is likely, but this was always the, the risk for Fernando yeah. Tatis trying to play through this injury. And, you know, I made the um, Hanley Ramirez comp in, uh, you know, early on in the season, how that was kind of a lingering thing that kept going until he finally had surgery with for it. Um, hopefully it's not going to require surgery right now, but it does seem like Fernando Tatis is going to need surgery um, at some point in the off season. So, if you, uh, if you lost Fernando Tatis, there's absolutely no replacing him, but one will start with uh, any interest in Ha Young Kim, the likely uh, beneficiary of Tatis's injury. He did Homer with three RBI on Sunday. It's not nearly enough to, to capture my interest now. Um, you know, it's, I, I keep going back to this well, and it seems like when people start to buy in, he cools off the well the well cools off but the well is warming up again it's it's i don't know what's going on it's like too close to the the mantle of the earth or something but yeah the, the well is starting to warm up and i don't know well what you're referring, referring to, to okay is <laughs> i'm i'm making the analogy worse uh brendan yeah. rogers yeah that brendan he seems rogers. like the key the 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 most obvious potentially available player that you should try to pick up. He's 47% rostered in CBS fantasy leagues. Um, he is, he didn't have a home run in his first 12 games of the season as he was coming back from that hamstring injury. Since then he's hitting 287 with a 36 home run pace. I think he had five home runs in the month of July. Um, sub 800 OPS in the month of July, but that was partially due to a 270 Babbitt, which is low for him. So, Brennan Rodgers, especially in a roto league, because he should be a pretty good batting average source, but even in points league, I think he's the, the top guy. Yeah. Yeah. Just the upside to availability ratio there for Brendan Rodgers. I mean, yep. nobody else who qualifies at shortstop comes close. So yeah, that would be, that would be the first place to turn for me. Uh, what about in a points league? This is a guy that came up for me, Kyle Farmer. He has been ridiculously hot lately. Um, I believe he had another three RBI game this weekend. Where do you where do you put Kyle Farmer in the discussion of potential Fernando Tatis replacements? I mean, pretty low. He feels like a hot hand play. He's not a young guy. He's never shown this kind of upside before. Mm-hmm. He did elevate the ball better in July, and better than he ever has before so you know maybe maybe some kind of change happened there that can have him tap into power more like he showed in july but kyle farmer is not somebody i'd invest a lot of trust in i did put in a couple bids for him in, in roto leagues just looking for a hot hand to, to fill all those lineup spots yeah uh but not with a lot of conviction not a very big bid not somebody to get excited about, I don't think. All right, let's look at some of the most added mo- uh, players at shortstop, or at least shortstop eligible players. You got Kyle Farmer; he's nineteen percent rostered right now. Enrique Hernandez, seventy percent rostered. Is he? Would you rather have him than Farmer? He's coming off a very good month of July. I would, but 
I mean, he's been around long enough that we know his deal. He can, yeah, he can look like a, uh, like he's indispensable at times. He goes on these like power surges. Yeah. He's actually coming off of one here recently. Um, but you know, the final numbers are never very impressive. Uh, after that, I mean, you've got Brennan Rogers, who we already mentioned, Jorge Polanco and Glaber Torres, who are nearly universally owned. Let me get my cat out of here. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Witt, but, you know, not in the majors and doesn't seem like it's likely to happen anytime soon. At least we haven't been given any indication of that. Yeah. So then you go down to Miguel Rojas, Jose Iglesias, and, and those are definitely guys who it feels like we know who they are. And like Miguel Rojas is actually, he's okay, I think, um, but certainly not someone who is going to make any kind of difference. So let's look at some guys who are available in 75% or fewer of CBSSports.com leagues. And that starts us off with Jazz Chisholm at 75%. He's 40% started uh, relative to Brennan Rogers. Would you rather have Rogers or Chisholm rest of season? That's actually a close call. I, I, I think we've seen so little from Chisholm really since April that I, I've, I'm kind of liking Rodgers more. I still really like Rodgers. I know after a good ju- June, he kind of cooled off in July, and maybe everybody thought he faked them out. But I would st- I would stick with it. Like, even if you're not looking to fill in for Fernando Tatis, you just want a yeah. high upside middle infielder. I'm, I mean, Brendan Rodgers' numbers aren't bad, just as they are. And yet he's never he hasn't really had that kind of streak that, you know, that really catapults him to stardom. His Babbitt for playing at Coors Field is only 301. I mean, that's a pretty normal Babbitt for a guy yeah. at Coors Field is like 50 points too low, you know? Yeah. Um, actually, his road numbers are better than his home numbers, which is very odd for a Rockies hitter. And, and, and I that's think, usually a reason to buy a Rockies hitter. Right, right. So, yeah, Rogers would definitely be the one I'm most excited about. What about a couple other names? Uh, Joey Wendell, he's slowed down a lot from his hot start. And uh, Luis Arias, mm-hmm. they're both right around 65 to 70% rostered. How do you feel about those guys? They are uh, well, multi-position eligible. You can use them at shortstop, but also corner infield. Yeah, it's a playing time issue for both, yeah. especially Arias. Now that they've acquired Eduardo Escobar, the Brewers have to play third base. Really leaves Arias without a place to play regularly. I imagine he'll... Steel starts from Colton Wong at second base sometimes, but not really an opening for him there. You know, if 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 one name you haven't mentioned here, and he's mm-hmm. on the IL currently, uh, but he's only forty seven percent rostered, is Josh Rojas. Yes, he's ran kind of hot that, and cold uh, this year, coming back from that uh, dislocated finger. Yeah, I, I don't expect he's going to be out long mm-hmm. uh, with that injury, so. You know, that might be somebody to stash away. Uh, and actually, somebody I wanted to talk about who isn't shortstop eligible, but he's second base eligible and is widely, widely available is um, Luis Garcia, not yes. the Astros pitcher, actually. The one who was well, a better prospect. Oh, hey, the one, yeah, the more famous Luis Garcia before the Astros pitcher took off this year. And that's the Nationals second baseman who has now been called up to play second base with, um, I guess, who was it that opened up that spot for him? Josh Harrison, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Josh yeah, anyway. and Trey Turner. Oh, oh right. Yeah, they traded Trey Turner. Um, so, yeah, he's playing. He's up. He's playing. Um, and, uh, yeah, playing shortstop. So, he will be shortstop eligible, it seems like, potentially here soon. He's been playing both second base and shortstop. But what I really wanted to point out with him is, you know, he'd come up the past couple years and didn't really do much. And so, he seems like... You know, kind of a post-hype guy, Who but just, he's only 21 years old. Just turned 21 and about he, two months ago. You know, I feel kind of bad that I'd overlooked him in the prospects report. I didn't even realize what kind of year Luis Garcia, this 21-year-old, mm-hmm. was having at AAA. Uh, really has been... Yeah, those numbers, uh, 303, 371 on base, 599 slug, 13 home runs. He has 17 home runs. Uh, sorry, 25 home runs in 342 games. 13 of them have come in his most recent 37 at AAA. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that you can write off as a small sample size. But like you said, because he's so young, he wasn't even 21 when the season started. Um, and, and his previous high for home runs in the minors is seven. And that was over a full season. Yeah. So over like a quarter of the season, he had 13. I mean, that's that's a loud breakthrough for a guy who the scouts always liked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he... That power, he showed that power with a 16.4% strikeout rate, too. So, Luis Garcia hasn't done much since getting called up, and there have been higher-end prospects who have taken uh, <laughs> taken their time to deliver in the majors. But, you know, it's it's upside. It's upside. And, and maybe Luis Garcia, having been exposed to the majors before, he will be able to break through. All right, let's move on to the next bit of... Very bad news, and that's Jacob DeGrom. He's been shut down for two more weeks after, uh, you know, he had more inflammation after throwing a bullpen session on Thursday. This was a classic Mets situation where he didn't throw on Friday. Jacob DeGrom has been, you know, for most of his career, he likes to throw every day in some way. Uh, And even during this layoff, he had been trying to. He didn't throw on Friday. The, you know, the manager says, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. And then... It turns out, yeah, we have to worry about it. He's going to be shut down for two more weeks and then try to look, try to try to work his way back. So you're probably looking at all of August lost. And my question is, if you're in a head-to-head points league and you're not guaranteed a spot in the playoffs, could you consider dropping Jacob DeGrom? I don't think that would be something I could entertain. No, I mean, just the impact is too great. Sure. If you want to have any hope of winning in the playoffs, once you do get there, um, you, Jacob DeGrom, I assume, would be a big part of that. Yeah. I, I am a little concerned about this beyond just the time he's going to miss. I mean, forearm issues. Yep. Recurring. Just... Uh, yeah, and... You know, that's often a precursor to something significant with the elbow. So, you know, that was, I actually had him in the Scott White Dynasty League for the past few years. As people who regularly listen know, I'm the three time defending champion, had him on my team for all three of those years. Three times defending champion. We've heard it enough already, Scott. I'm coming for the crown. I had him for a decent salary. It would only be a $36 keeper this Mm -hmm. offseason, but I decided to move him. Just for context, if he was healthy going into next season and he was available in the draft, he would probably be a $70 player. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
it's a head to head points league worth pointing out. Even, even if in, in a redraft league, I mean, DeGrom yeah. wouldn't be surprising to see him go for more than 50. So yeah, good salary 24 team league. I'm trying to win this year, but I traded him for a significant prospect package because I'm worried about how much he's going to be available next year is part of it. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was part of the reason I decided to go ahead and move on that deal. Part of it was because I got Clayton Kershaw back, and it's like, okay. Although. Kershaw might Kershaw might make it back sooner, though he had a bit he of He had uh, his own uh, <laughs> elbow inflammation uh, setback or, or soreness, I guess. It wasn't yeah. inflammation. It was just some soreness. But, yeah, this is um, – you you have to start thinking about that with Jacob DeGrom. You know, this mm-hmm. is one thing that we've talked about a lot over the last couple of years is how it's there's always like something every season. The last like three years that had been like some there was one point where it was his elbow, I think two or two or three years ago um, where he went on the IL with elbow inflammation and it turned out to be nothing. Um, yeah. Now the recurring nature of this, I think you do have to to be concerned here. Here's a question for you. Is Max Scherzer the number one starting pitcher in fantasy right now? I, he might be. Would he you rank be. him that way? Let me double, because obviously I had DeGrom. Yeah. Even, you know, when I anticipated he might be back as soon as this week, you know? Yep. Um, and I know I moved down you Darvish recently. I think there's definitely a case for Scherzer. I think I would still take Garrett Cole over him, but of course he's had his issues since yep. the since the foreign substance crackdown started. I think there's been enough of a rebound happening that I, I'm still buying into Cole as the second best pitcher behind DeGrom. So yeah, I'd go Cole over Scherzer, but that's the only one I think. Uh, Brandon Woodruff Brandon probably Woodruff in that be, conversation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a... And Garrett Cole had a pretty terrible start in his most recent outing. Uh, might actually be his worst of the season. Yeah, it was worst of the season. Seven earned runs and five and a third. Uh, still 10 strikeouts and two walks, but yeah, quite a bit of attrition at the top of the starting pitcher rankings for various reasons over the last couple of weeks. Although I, I, I'd be remiss not to point out that Walker Bueller has actually been the highest scoring pitcher in fantasy this year. Well, because as we all predicted, Walker Bueller has just been an absolute rock, a stable, (laughs) deep innings eating pitcher, just like we all thought. It's one of the most amazing stats of this season. He had one start where he went six innings last year. He's had one this year where he hasn't gone yeah, six it's, innings. It's pretty amazing. I hope that lasts all year because it's just too perfect. And uh, speaking of attrition at the start, top of the starting pitcher tables, this is going to affect next season as well. Tyler Glass now is expected to have Tommy John surgery. Looks exceedingly likely that we won't see him next season, I would guess. Um it's possible that he comes back in 12 months, but you look at Chris Sale and Luis Severino and Noah Syndergaard, those, you know, those three are going on 15 months or more yeah. uh, since having I w- surgery. So I, I would guess Tyler Glass now is out until 2023. And I believe this is his second Tommy John surgery too. I think he had one as a Pirates minor leaguer. I love when I just pull out a fact like that that I didn't look up before. I want to say that happened though. That I'm not sure. I'm gonna to have to. I'm gonna to have to look that up. Yeah, I could. I don't be wrong think so that. now because this is saying. <laughs> All right. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah, about this is his uh, an dynasty injury. value and everything. But yeah, no, I mean, even, even so, and this is definitely looking ahead to next season or or even following that, and especially yeah, forget next leagues. season. It's like. Um, 
He yeah. is under he's arbitration eligible through the age, end of the 2023 season. So he's going to be pitching in a contract year when he comes back. Remember he had 123 strikeouts in 88 innings, 2.66 ERA. He looked like I mean really like a top 5 to top 10 starting pitcher earlier in this season. And I mean he might be the biggest consequence of the sticky stuff crackdown. You know, the way he talked about how he had to you know, change his grip and change his mechanics uh, when he stopped using sticky stuff. He was pretty adamant that that played a part in his injury. So that's unfortunate. Um, Hopefully we'll see him back at full strength in 2023. Uh, Let's move on to this weekend's games. And let's start off with, oh my goodness gracious, I don't have the drop. Scott, if you want to say it, if you want to do your best Susan Walden. Oh my goodness gracious. (laughs) All right, you got. How was that? Is that pretty that was, good? That was all right. Yeah. What What's I your uh, oh my goodness gracious player of the weekend? Well, Chris, if I had to pick one guy to say oh my goodness gracious about, um, trying to remember who was. I know I had somebody picked well, out. I'll here. start. I always okay, love to ahead. talk about my beloved Miami Marlins. How about Sandy Alcantara? Ten strikeouts, seven innings pitched, all shut out against the Yankees. Obviously, this is a Yankees lineup that will destroy pitchers and will get destroyed by some pitchers because there's a lot of swing and miss in this lineup. There always has been. Now there's even more, although it's interesting that they basically have like the three highest strikeout guys in the majors plus Gary Sanchez, and then nobody else in the lineup strikes out. Um, Sandy Alcantara, very good in this one. And that this kind of, uh, I guess, I don't know if it reverses a, a slide that he had been on, uh, especially with regards to his strikeout rate. Um, he had not struck out more than five in a start going back to June 22nd. I had 23 strikeouts and 32 and a third before this one, and the swing strike rate had been down. But he still had a 329 ERA coming into this start. That went down even further. I still view him as, at this point, probably almost a top 15 starting pitcher. What about you? Well, I mean, he feels stable. Yes. And I think we're going to see a lot of instability at the position this year. It seems like, I don't know if it's by design, but, well, I know the Brewers situation is by yes. design. Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns probably going to have their innings cut back. I don't know if it's by design, but it seems like Carlos Rodon, you know, not mm-hmm. as many pitches, not as many innings lately. Uh, Trevor Rogers. There were a lot of starts with only like 80 something pitches this weekend. And I think we're going to see a lot of that down the stretch, particularly from the young guys. And yep. Sandy Alcantara is a young guy, but he just oh, he's, he just he, seems to have that. Yeah, he's a develop. Yeah, just develop that workhorse reputation. Uh, I will point out that his strikeout rate and his swinging strike rate weren't nearly as good in June and July as they were in April and May. Yep. So he's kind of he's kind of reverted back to where he was prior to 2021. But but the the control you know, still, has still been very good. Uh, yeah. So, not a, not an ace but just a steady steady kind stable a, innings eater. Kind of a Jose Barrios type. Except I think yeah. probably better at run prevention cuz he pitches in yeah. the NL. Um So that's my, oh my goodness gracious. How about yours? So I'm not sure this is the guy I picked up before, but I think it works, and I think we shouldn't wait any longer to get to it. Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, yeah. Craig Kimbrell's usage has to be 
Which, since joining the White Sox is highly disturbing so far. Highly disturbing. I agree. So, on Saturday, on Saturday, he made his White Sox debut, pitched the ninth inning, a scoreless ninth inning, with the White Sox down by a run. Sunday, Kimbrell pitched again, Mm -hmm. but he pitched the eighth inning of a tie game. Liam Hendricks worked the ninth inning of that tie game. So still nobody, neither of those pitchers has gotten a save since that trade was made. But it certainly seems like from the first two days of usage, Kimbrell is being treated more like like the setup man. And I don't think that's reason to drop Kimbrell. No. Because it's like... But... There, there's, I, I think you got to give it at least a week, even in shallow leagues. I, I will in shallow say, leagues where the ratios don't matter. Listening to Friday's podcast, I was surprised that you were so confident that Kimbrel was going to be the closer for them because. Oh, I didn't say I was confident, did I? You seemed pretty confident. That was my best guess. I thought it made the most sense. I mean, Liam Hendricks has spent most of his career as the setup man. My he's, thought, my thought was just very simply, he's got another year under contract, and Craig Kimbrel doesn't. Yeah, I mean, and he's the incumbent, so it just it feels like a you know give that guy the you know the, the deference because you're you know clubhouse reasons and all that. That that was just my sense. Um, but yeah, I will say in a ten team roto league, he's not a must roster, and I think even potentially well, in a twelve team points league, Craig Kimbrell may not it, be a must roster. If he turns out to be a setup man, but but right. I'm just saying two days worth isn't enough to really mm-hmm. know. I think we need a lot more information, and I'd hate to cut Kimbrel too soon. So I I know you probably don't want dead weight around. I get that, but you just got to wait and see because I mean, it could be a situation where they're basically splitting the role. In which it case, could be a situation where you know. Maybe Tony Larissa just changes his mind one day. Like maybe. But what maybe I will there's say, a conversation is, that happens between the three of them, and in a points league, if he's not getting 80 percent of the saves, <laughs> he's probably not a must roster player. That's just the the fact of life in a points league with a closer. In a twelve team points league, there's only twenty four of them, and even then, there are enough RP eligible starting pitchers that you might be only looking at like. 20 closers being used at any given point. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I mean, because how many, how many teams don't have a closer right now? Don't have a clear closer. I mean... A decent amount, but that should settle down you know, yeah. relatively. I'm not so confident. I'm not so confident. All right, well, uh, let's move on to... Well, since Frank's not here, I'll, I'll throw him another... Oh my goodness gracious player. And we'll make it a Yankees player. Cause how could we not talk about Anthony Rizzo? He's uh what home runs in f- two of his first or his first two games with the Yankees had a, a decent game on Sunday as well. You know, it was nice. Anthony Rizzo gets traded to the own from the only major league team he's ever played in the majors for, but he still gets to uh, have a little homecoming Fort Lauderdale kid gets to play in Miami for his first series after, uh, after the trade. So that was probably nice for him. Uh, he hit fourth in his first two games with the Yankees, batted leadoff Sunday, homered in his first two games, and this is what we were talking about. I mean, the I, I mean, I guess not really because it's not Yankee Stadium yet, but both of the home run that he hit uh, was pulled, and so that's that's what you want to see. I think all but one of his home runs so yeah. far has been hit to the pull side, and that's that's where you talk about like 
if Rizzo is going to have this big second half, it's going to be with a power boost playing with the Yankees in a well, very good lineup. You, you've seen that stat. It's, it's worth yeah. reiterating for the people who didn't listen to the emergency podcast that uh, StatCast... 15 home baseball, runs at the time of the, uh, the trade. 14 home runs at 14, the time yeah. of the trade. Baseball Savant has this section on each player's page it would be home runs by venue like just it's just measuring the distance of the home runs basically the distance and location of the home runs it's not taking into account environmental factors but those 14 home runs for anthony rizzo would be 23 if he was playing at yankee stadium so i was it it just seems like the perfect move for him you know i it seems to be validated already and he hasn't even played his first game at yankee stadium so yeah, so let's talk about the the players who were traded, what they looked like this weekend, most mostly with the hitters, where they were batting, um, how often they were playing. Um, like I mentioned, Rizzo hit fourth uh, cleanup in the first two games and then batted leadoff in the third. You can't take a ton from the Yankees lineups in the first three games because, one, there was no DH. They were playing in Miami. And so Giancarlo Stan, I believe, played in the outfield twice. Uh, Luke Voigt did not play at all this weekend and yeah dj lemayhew he had a triceps injury and he was scratched from friday's game but he was able to play and then he didn't play saturday or sunday so those were two of the interesting notes that i saw for the yankees well just to clarify Voigt's still hurt he's not back that's right that's right so but i did see uh or actually i guess here a very concerning snippet of an interview with brian cashman Mm-hmm. Where, you know, he didn't, he didn't really sound. It didn't. It doesn't sound like the Yankees are all that motivated to play Luke Voigt when he gets yeah. back. Like said, basically, we all know what Voigt's capable of, but you know, he's just in a position now where we had to fill the spot, and you know, it it, it would have been very easy for him to say, "Well, we're going to try Stanton in the outfield more so that we can get Voigt some at bats at DH," and he didn't say that, so. Yeah. I'm worried about Voigt's relevance at this point. Of course, one injury could change everything. <laughs> and I, I think there are reasons to be at least somewhat concerned about DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres, just with the, the fact that, yes, they didn't have a DH this weekend, but Stanton only started two of the games. LeMahieu didn't start the one that Stanton didn't start. So, you know, yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily a concern. Like I said, he was scratched Friday with a triceps issue, but... Um, Something to keep in mind, for sure. All right, moving on to some of the other players. Let's just get all the the whole Cubs lineup out of the way in their new homes. And, man, wouldn't it have been nice if the, the Cubs had those guys in their lineup this weekend? Because Chris Bryant debuted Sunday for the Giants, hit a home run. Uh, bat second for the Giants. That's where he was hitting for the Cubs. I think that's where he's going to hit moving forward. Big, big lineup upgrade, like you guys talked about on Friday's episode. And... Um, you know, I you know I'm a an analytics guy. I don't really love the like feely wheelies kind of stuff, but I will <laughs> say like Chris Bryant does like this situation does seem like it could be the kind of thing that gets Chris Bryant going just because God like him and Anthony Rizzo on the bench in that final what, Thursday night uh, game for the Cubs where they didn't play, they just left them on the bench and what ended up being their final game for the Cubs. Like they looked so sad. Like Chris Bryant looked legitimately like emotional at the end of that mm. game. And, you know, given the the history with that team, given how poorly the last couple of seasons have gone, given that 
everyone knew he was just playing out the string this season until he got traded or, or became a free agent. I could just see this being the kind of thing that like I could see a huge second half for Chris Bryant because he's such a good player. He had a really good July after struggling in June. Um, I think he's just going to be awesome for the Giants. I think that's a great pickup for them. Too many feely wheelies from you, Chris. <laughs> that's that's all right. But it's also just that he's good. You know, <laughs> it's Chris Bryant. He's really good. Um, and the fact that he's batting, batting second in a good lineup that's only going to get better with um, Evan Longoria, Tommy LaStella, and Brandon Belt all likely coming back this week. They actually have far too many players for the lineup spots that they have. It's a good problem to have if you're relying on a bunch of 34-year-olds like the Giants are. Um, Javier Baez hit cleanup in his Mets debut, also homered. So all three of those guys homered in their first game for their new teams. Um, you know. It's Frank, I bet. <laughs> Feels like old times. <laughs> I feel like he would have... No, it's not Frank. Job. He would have he texted me first. Oh, it was Frank? No, I'm just okay. kidding. All right. No, you I know who it was, though? I didn't think anyone I, was saying I was doing a good job. I actually want to explain who it was. <laughs> so the Scott White Dynasty League had its trade deadline on Saturday, and I was trying to negotiate a deal with somebody else in the league. He sent me his number to put in my phone. I typed in the number wrong, and so I texted just some random somebody <laughs> about it, and that some random somebody just replied to me. <laughs> Did they? Was it okay? Uh, yeah, they just wanted to know who I am. <laughs> Don't they know who you are? All right, <laughs> that's what I should say. Yeah. The other, the other new Yankee, uh, Joey Gallo, hit second twice in the lineup, third once. Um, you know, like like I, like we said earlier, Lemayhu didn't really play this weekend. Voigt's still out of the starting lineup, so or still on the IL. So, you know, we still don't know quite what that's going to look like. But Joe Gallo is going to play every day. You know, somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. I hope about, it's center field because that means stands and left and Voigt's at DH. But we'll and see. you know, less Brett Gardner is probably better at this point. Um, yeah. Like we mentioned, Craig Kimbrell worked the eighth, Kyle Hendricks in the ninth in a tie game on Sunday. And on the Cubs side, you had Kyle Ryan get a save versus Washington on Saturday. Manuel Rodriguez worked the bottom of the eighth in a loss Friday, struck out two in his major league debut, then came in in the bottom of the ninth in a tie game on Sunday, did allow a uh, walk-off home run. But Manuel Rodriguez, someone who, you know, throws in the high 90s, seems like he has a pretty good slider. You know, interesting to, to look at that usage for him. What do you think? You think Kyle Ryan's the guy? I think it's, I think they're going to mix and match the Cubs are. I, I mean, Manuel Rodriguez, it, it's possible. It's possible somebody like him steps up and claims the role. The guy I was investing in and in, in, in where, where I had the space for it was Dylan Maples, who mm-hmm. I know is on the IL right now, but only with a blister. And he's, put up closer caliber numbers when he's been healthy this year. He's under control for another year. So I'd, I'd, I'd look at him too, but it, it may be a situation where they never really settle on a guy over the final two months. Yeah. Manuel, Rodriguez, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Kyle Ryan. I can say that for sure. Yeah. Manuel Rodriguez is a 24 year old who the last two seasons in the minors, 2019 and 2021, he had 92 strikeouts over 67 and two thirds innings. So, you know, they're, I would say of all of them, he probably at least represents uh, some glimmer of upside and hope. 
Um, moving on to some of the other traded players, Starling Marte hit second in all three, actually all four games that he's played for the Oakland Athletics so far, has four stolen bases in his first four games, including three on Sunday, still first and second in the, sec- in the first inning in this game. Um, so that's good to see. Josiah yeah. Gray, acquired by the Nationals in that Max Scherzer trade. Turner trade, he will make his Nationals debut on Monday. What are your Two expectations star for him? Two-star pitcher right away. Must start? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. But, I mean, if you're looking to roll the dice on upside, he's definitely shown a ton of swing and miss ability early on. He's also mm-hmm. given up four home runs in eight innings. But, I mean, the swinging strike rate is up there with DeGrom. Very, good minor, very good minor league numbers as well. Yeah. Um, Consistently yeah. in the low twos in, in ERA. So now that we know he has a spot and like he's going to stay in the Nationals rotation unless he's just horrible. Yeah. Um, I, I'm more interested in him now than when he was with the Dodgers. I mean, pick him up for the upside and don't necessarily start him right away. But if, yeah, if you're just looking for an upside play, if you're looking to replace DeGrom, I mean, here's somebody with the same swinging strike yeah. rate. Uh, Jose Barrios, first start for the Blue Jays. Nice soft landing, getting to keep playing against an AL Central team. Six innings of shutout ball, seven strikeouts against the Royals. Uh, let's see, Kyle Schwarber is expected to begin a rehab assignment soon, so he could be in the Red Sox lineup in a couple of weeks. Um, the Braves did find room for both Jorge Soler and Adam Duvall in their lineup. Um in two of the three games, Duvall actually started all three. Soler, I believe, was just Friday and Sunday. Soler went four for seven with a walk and a strikeout. Hit sixth in his first game, second in his second game. Uh, and then Adam Duvall was, I think, sixth or seventh in all three games. So it was a, I think Jock Peterson sat out for the lefty mm-hmm. the Braves faced. Uh, so there was only one game where Duval, Soler, and Peterson were all in the Braves' outfield so far, and Peterson was the one to start in center. And batted leadoff. He, well, he's been batting leadoff most of the time since he got acquired, since he was acquired. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they're at least willing to do that on occasion. They've shown play a bad outfielder in center field. I actually think Duval would be a better choice, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be an everyday situation. So there may be, I, 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 well, Soler didn't really show up until Saturday. So he played both of the games that he started both of the games that he was on the roster for. It was really Peterson who is the only one who sat so far Mm -hmm. since, uh, since everybody was there. Although everybody's not there yet. Eddie Rosario Rosario is on the IL. They, they, talked about that he's going to be out a few more weeks but could be back relatively soon and that that's gonna you know potentially change things because not exactly room for him uh to you know play anywhere else yeah yeah i think it'll be kind of a hot hand situation if Soler turns back into a 200 hitter certainly because he's the worst defender too of a bunch of you know less than great defenders duvall's good yeah, Duvall's good. Duvall, I mean, he's not a true center fielder, obviously, but he's he's won a gold glove before yeah. as a corner outfielder. All right, let's talk about the Nationals bullpen. Kyle Finnegan got the first two saves for Washington after the Brad Hand trade. And he's got decent numbers. You know, 321 ERA, ugly 1.45 FIP, but or ERA, 3.7 FIP, 46 Ks and in 42 innings. What's your interest level in Kyle Finnegan? 
I'm wrong. Adam Duvall has not won a gold glove. He, I thought he, I, I he was, was probably, a, he was probably a finalist. He was a finalist, was I think, last year, actually. All right, so who are you actually asking me about? Uh, Kyle Finnegan. Got Kyle the first Finnegan. two saves for Washington after yeah. the Brad Hand trade. So I'd, I'd been saying, you know, Frank was like, oh, Kyle Finnegan, you got the first save. And I was like, come on, Frank. But it, uh, it, it, looks like, it looks like the Nationals are just ready to go with that until it doesn't work Come on, anymore. Scott. <laughs> yeah, so I in, in leagues where I needed saves, Kyle Finnegan. You know, there were a lot of potential closers on that list, but Kyle Finnegan was near the top. I think I had like Tyler Clippert ahead of him. Mm-hmm. I had like Dylan Floro behind him, though. Makes sense. And trying to think of who else was in that group. Cole Solser, who we saw get two saves over the weekend. It's just you know how often are the Orioles going to have save chances? So he was pretty far down the list. We saw. S- uh, Spencer uh, Spencer Patton got his first save chance for the Rangers, but he blew the save. Yeah. Uh, but he blew the save. Yeah. But he blew the save. So still uncertain there, but we've been saying he looked like the lead guy all along. And uh, how about Diego Castillo allowing a walk-off home run on Saturday in his first opportunity for the Mariners with yeah, Paul I, Seawald wa- working the, uh, the bottom of the ninth in a tie game. I wouldn't be so quick to give up on Paul Seawald yeah. in leagues where you can afford to speculate on relievers like that because Diego Castillo is I, I think a little less than closer caliber really mm-hmm. uh, even though he's has a history in the role and Seawald uh, of course has been awesome this year I was also discouraged to see David Bedner, who looked like the most exciting closer pickup from the trade deadline he was right back to working the eighth inning mm-hmm I believe it was on Friday or Saturday, one of those days this weekend. Um, and uh, it ended up not being a safe chance. I think actually Bedner blew the lead mm-hmm. in the eighth, but Chris Stratton worked the ninth, and Chris Stratton would have been my second guess. So I'd still rather invest in Bedner until we have more clarity here, but it, it could be Chris Stratton instead. All right, and then a couple more before we move on. Miles Straw has batted his eighth for Cleveland uh, in his first two games. Homered on Sunday, actually. So, way to go, Miles Straw. He's got 17 steals. Um, And uh, that's it. That's everything from that. So, we're going to take a quick break. When we're back, catch up on the rest of the injuries, news, and notes from the weekend. Uh, Take a look at some... Circle of trust, guys, at starting pitchers. See who Scott is willing to trust or isn't at this point in the season. And uh, a little bit more next on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And we're back. All right, just like that. Injuries, news, and notes from the weekend. Biggest news, Joey Votto did not homer on Saturday. So, came up one (laughs) home run. And he sat out Sunday. They benched him. What a coward. 
came one game short of tying the major league record for most consecutive games with a home run. He finished with seven straight games with a home run, nine home runs in that span. He, uh, it was actually funny. He, he had a quote. It was something like, you know, I'm a stat cast nerd and I, I looked at it and my first home run in the very first, uh, to start it was like, it had a 100 expected batting average or something. It was like a wall scraper that he hit 94 miles per hour or something. And the last one, the game ends, uh, his last at bat, I believe, was a like 110 mile per hour double off the wall <laughs> that had like an 840 XBA. So, you know, sometimes you eat the bear and sometimes, well, you know, Alex Bregman was pulled from Sunday's game with hamstring tightness. That is hopefully not a big concern. It doesn't sound like it right now, but he is on the aisle with a quad injury right now. And, you know, now it's both sides of the leg. So that's never good. <laughs> yeah, they use the word precautionary, yeah. but we'll see. I don't know. I, Not counting on him being back this week. I was sure. I was actually willing to um, activate him in my Tout Wars League. Now I'm not going to for this week. So not what you want to see. James Caprillion placed on the IL with shoulder impingement. Uh, like we mentioned earlier. Oh, go ahead. They're also downplaying that one. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know if we're going to be able to get to it otherwise, so I'm just going to mention Dalton Jeffries. Yes. Dalton Jeffries, I remember, got a lot of hype this spring, and we thought he was going to win the job, the fifth starter job, once A.J. Puck got hurt, and Jeffries himself got hurt. So he made his season debut in Caprillion's place, and it, you know, he, he'd been struggling for the most part at AAA, ERA over five. Um, some better signs recently, but just not not very consistent. He, he, was, he looked pretty good against the Angels, though. Um, on Sunday, Jeffrey. Add him in fifteen-team leagues. Uh you know, I'd actually rather add Reed Detmers, who was making his major league debut opposite him, mm-hmm. and he did not look didn't as good. Pitch well, no. Uh, let me find that line. Six earned runs in four and a third innings. There gave up two home runs, two only strikeouts, two, strikeouts. two walks. But he was among the minor league leaders in strikeouts. Like, he was having an awesome year in the yeah. minors. He'd, he'd only made one start at AAA, so they're moving him pretty quickly. Big jump in velocity in his first professional season. He was only drafted last year, so, you know, Beautiful college guy. Not, not young, but, um, but his velocity was up this year to go along with a great curveball. Tons of strikeouts in the minors. I know the first start didn't go well. Logan Gilbert's didn't go that well either, as memory recalls. So I'd still rather, I'd like Deadmer's, the upside is more interesting to me than Dalton Jeffries. Dalton Jeffries, the best thing he has going for him is he throws a lot of strikes, avoid walks, and he walked three in his debut. You know, maybe just nerves. I feel like we had that same conversation about Caprillion himself, actually, when he first came up. Mm-hmm. But Jeffries, I don't think, disqualified himself from being a contributor this year with that start. All right, Chris Sale had seven strikeouts over five innings in, on in Saturday's start at AAA. AAA Worcester is that how they pronounce it? Isn't that one of those? It's got like a a, a non. Uh, Netic. Yeah, I don't know. AAA Worcester for the Boston Red Sox. He's probably going to make one more rehab start, so we're getting very close to the return of Chris Sale. Uh, next rehab start, I believe, will be on Saturday uh, for AAA. And he could be back after that. And actually, I would bet on it, uh, assuming nothing goes wrong. Tony Gonsolin was placed on the IL with shoulder inflammation. Chris Paddock was placed on the IL with a left oblique strain. 
The Mets did not sign number 10 overall pick Kumar Rocker. There were some concerns about his elbow, so they will get the number 11 pick in next year's draft. And Kumar Rocker just goes back to school or pitches an independent ball, which is kind of silly. He should be a free agent. Anyway, Jeffrey Springer, Jeffrey Springer, Jeffrey Spring, uh, was on the IL with a right knee sprain, suffered during Saturday's start. Brad Keller left Sunday's game with back tightness. Domingo Armand was placed on the IL with shoulder inflammation. He actually pitched pretty well on Saturday before that injury. Travis Darneau has begun a rehab assignment. Alex Cobb was placed on the IL with a wrist injury. Byron Buxton has begun hitting off a tee and swinging a bat, so that's a good sign as he comes back from that wrist injury. Ranger Suarez is moving to the rotation. That's Did not see that coming. Yeah, uh, there was a point where we thought he was going to be the closer. Uh, Vince well, he Velasquez had, he had moving been. to the pen. Yeah, Vin, yeah, Velasquez to the pen. With Suarez to the rotation. Uh, so obviously this clears up. Oh, is Ian Kennedy going to close now that he joins the Phillies? We thought he would. Seems like he will. But, yeah, uh, and he did work the ninth inning mm-hmm. Sunday in his Phillies debut. Lopsided win for the Phillies, he, and he gave up a two-run homer. But you know, lopsided win. Uh, I'm not so anxious to drop Suarez if I'd already picked him up for saves. Mm-hmm. He had, you know, before he moved into the closer role, he had, he had several appearances where he worked like two, three innings, uh, you know, came up as a starter in the minors, obviously, and extreme ground ball rate, extreme, extreme ground ball rate. There's a reason why his ERA is as low as it, he, it, it is. It, you know, it, it may not work as well mm-hmm. stretched out to start, you know, but I, I think it's worth a shot. I think it's... I think it's worth holding on to him to see how this goes, especially in a points league where you don't necessarily need a big strikeout total from your starting pitchers, and you could slot him in as a relief pitcher, There you go, which could be very valuable. All right, let's talk about a few other injuries and whether you can start them in the upcoming week. Josh Donaldson left Friday's game with a hamstring injury, sat out Saturday and Sunday. Are you starting Josh Donaldson this week? Probably not, if I can help it. Michael Brantley left Sunday's game with an ankle injury. X-rays came back net- negative. Are you starting Michael Brantley? It might be harder to help it with him. Yeah. Uh, three outfielder league, though, I'd try to avoid it. Andrew McCutcheon left Saturday's game with a knee injury, did not play on Sunday. The Phillies are downplaying it, but would you start him? More likely. I mean, he's not as high end as Brantley, yeah. so that factors in, but... Um, yeah, I, I think he'll probably be okay. Reese Hoskins missed the last three games with a groin injury. What about him? Try to avoid it. Not right. many days in a row. Yeah, and same for Eloy Jimenez with that groin injury. He sat four straight. Yep. Unfortunate. What do you get, four or five games back before uh, suffering the injury? That's just I know. bad everybody. Luck. Everybody who's come... Who's come back or attempted to come back from a long-term injury has either gotten hurt again on the rehab assignment or gotten hurt as soon as they got called up. It's well, we'll really knock on we'll knock on wood for all these guys coming back from in or from injuries who who came back this weekend. Alec Manoa pitched seven strong innings against KC. Is he a top forty starting pitcher for you right now? He's got a 250, 247 ERA, a WHIP under one, and fifty six Ks in forty seven innings. He has been. Feels like it's gone under discussed how good Alec Manoa has been, actually. I mean, he, he missed, what, three weeks? Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since I had to think about him. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> just I saying you, Scott. I just, there hasn't been as much hype around him as I would have thought. Yeah, I, I mean, I have him around 60th now. You could 
I could definitely stand to move him up a lot. Um, I probably wouldn't make it in my top 40. That's a pretty tough group. Sure. But top 50. All right. Some of the other big names who came back. Trevor Trevor Rogers. His velocity was fine. Uh, the results against the Yankees, not so much. Three and two-thirds innings. Five hits, three walks, four strikeouts, two earned runs allowed. You know, not exactly what you want to see, but continued his streak of not allowing more than three earned runs all season. So, you know, that's good. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine he'll be fine moving forward, but innings and pitch counts are going to be a concern. Uh, three big name hitters who came back this weekend. Mookie Betts actually started at second base for yeah. the Los Angeles Dodgers. I would have imagined him starting at second before Trey Turner. Would he be your number one second baseman if he qualified there? <laughs> well, yeah, I would say so. That'd be great for his value. I don't expect he's going to qualify there, but uh, we'll see. So either Trey Turner or Mookie Betts, number one second baseman at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, there's, there's a really good chance, obviously, Trey Turner picks up second base eligibility, not just for this season, but for next season, yeah. too. And, yeah, he'd clearly be number one at that position. It's been a while since there's been a first-round second baseman, but he would be one. Yeah, probably two years with Altuve, probably going back to 2019. Um, Corey Seager made his return, went three for 10 over the weekend. Good to see him back after missing so much time with a broken hand. Cattell Marte made his return to the lineup on Sunday. I believe he went one for four in that one. Lourdes Gurriel, Anthony Santander, uh, and Jazz Chisholm all came back from their IL stints, as did Carlos Carrasco made his debut uh, after missing the whole season and most of uh, spring training with uh, elbow and quad injuries, four innings. Yeah, he was another one who suffered a setback or says he was gearing up to return. Yeah, four innings, three hits. Not surprising that he didn't pitch uh, deep into that game. He wasn't really stretched out in his minor league rehab assignment. They just wanted to get him back. Four strikeouts, one walk, eight whiffs on 58 pitches. Fastball spin rate was down from last season, so... A lot, 300 RPM. Yeah, with anyone who we haven't seen, obviously that's, uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But I think more significant was the actual output from Carlos Carrasco. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to worry about the spin rate until it really affects their performance or you know, if, if it seems to be affecting their performance. I, I was encouraged by this. Eight whiffs on just 58 pitches. Yeah, I, I feel good about having stashed Carrasco all this time. All right, uh, we'll try to get to more of the weekend standouts. But first, did you know Dansby Swanson has 20 home runs, career high? I was kind of surprised to learn that. I did know. He's coming off a seven-homer July. Yeah, two-home run game on Saturday. Uh, he's on pace for 30 homers. Did you know Dylan Carlson stole his first base of the season on Sunday? I did not know that. I knew he was underperforming in that category, but you can't underperform much more than zero. Uh, zero is the ultimate underperformance, and one is actually only one better. Uh, True. Did you know Sebi Zavala uh, <laughs> was the first player to have his first three home runs in the majors come in the same game? So how about that? Oh, wow. Now he's a nobody. That's a fun fact. Yeah, we actually 20. had two low-end. He's a Is he a catcher? Uh. Sebi, Sebi Zavala is a catcher. So we had two yeah, 27-year-old catcher who was hitting 178 yeah, at AAA. Two very, very low-end catchers in the city of Chicago had three home run games this weekend. Uh, well, the other one wasn't a catcher, was a catcher, right? I don't think he's a catcher. Is he a catcher? I'm looking Let's it up. Let's double check that. 
No, um, center field. Uh, Rafael Ortega, yes. Yeah, Rafael Ortega, and he's, uh, you know, he does have some, he has shown power in the minors before, 21 home runs in AAA two years ago, but he's like 29 years old. So, I mean, he might play quite a bit just because they need somebody to play. Yeah, he's 30. Um, uh, but I, I wouldn't be investing in Rafael Ortega outside of deeper leagues. There you go. All right, and let's uh, let's see which starting pitchers are in or out of the circle of trust. And Scott, I'm just going to let you define it however you want. Let's try to move quickly. We've got about 10 minutes left. We got a lot of names to get to. Uh, so first, is Kevin Gosman in the circle of trust anymore? It's been uh, velocity's been down a little bit. Three straight starts under five innings. He has not looked good lately. He was obviously the number one starting pitcher. Uh, at least through the end of June in both points and Roto. Uh, four and a third innings in this one. Nine strikeouts is good, but six hits, three earned runs. Any concerns? Is Kevin Gosman in your circle of trust? Yeah, Obviously, he's in my little, circle of trust. There's different levels, you know? He's, he's, he's in the inner circle. Okay. He's in the inner circle. I was trying to buy low on him in one league. Top um, 10 starting pitcher still? Yeah, uh, three bad starts. And, you know, not even bad all the way. He struck out nine in four and a third yeah. innings in this recent, this most recent one. So, um, you know, can't, can't bail on a guy who was very recently the number one pitcher in all of fantasy as of, I think, I think around the All-Star break that was uh, after just three shaky starts. All right, what about Framber Valdez? Five innings, four hits, two runs, three walks, six strikeouts. Uh, he had 24 walks to 31 strikeouts in 33 and a third innings in the month of July. He had a 405 ERA that speaks to how great he is at limiting damage on contact with all the ground balls he gets. But 24 walks in 33 and a third innings. Can you trust Framber Valdez right now? He's still in the circle of trust. I still would be okay comfortable. I would still be comfortable starting him in basically any league. Haven't given any thoughts to dropping him or anything like that. I'm not as sold on him as a truly high end guy as I am Gosman. Sure, I, I mean that goes without saying. I think, but is he's in my circle of trust still? What about Zach Gallon? Had a really good start against the Dodgers on Friday night. Uh, six innings, two earned runs, eight strikeouts, but has been very up and down uh, while dealing with, what was it, a hamstring and then an elbow scare, or an elbow scare, then a hamstring. Um, 23 strikeouts and 17 and two-thirds innings in the month of July. Um, Strikeout rate's been very good since coming back from the IL. Only one bad start. Uh, He has 20 strikeouts over the last 15 and two-thirds innings over three starts. One start, he gave up a seven-seven run, so five-seven-four ERA. Where are you at with Zach Gallon? You know, the underlying numbers haven't been that good, even when the results have been good. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was dealing with an elbow sprain, I mean, you know, that that was, he returned from that in June. As you mentioned, the hamstring injury was most recent, but like that, I'm not sure he's totally right. I'm not sure he's totally healthy. I actually dropped him uh, after his, last start, which was yeah. not good, in a 10-team league to pick up uh, Patrick Sandoval, who, by the way, is, would now be number one in swinging strike rate after a 20-swinging strike game this weekend. 
Uh, that's good. Patrick Sandoval. Gallon, you know, his his winning strike rate is nowhere near that. And I would say he's he's not really inside the circle of trust right now. Obviously, if I dropped him in a league, uh, he could get back there. And I'm not anxious to drop him anywhere. It's kind of a weird situation, but I would say he's not in the circle of trust right now. How about Zach Greinke? Gave up four home runs in his start on Saturday against the Giants. Obviously, Giants at this point, pretty tough matchup, but that is now six straight starts where he's allowed a home, allowed a home run and ooh, looks like 12 of his last 13 with at least one home run allowed before this start his previous eight games he had been pretty up or down only more than six innings one uh, two starts only reached six innings in three of eight had a 368 era do you trust that Granky right now yeah, I still trust him. That that eight start stretch. No, the That's, ERA. Was there's a bit good. of an arbitrary endpoint because he had an eight inning start and a nine inning start right before that. Right, yeah. but even if even if you're not crediting him for those, yeah, it's still three sixty eight ERA over the eight start stretch. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not really I'm not really that concerned about Zach Grinky. All right, let's move on to some guys who are either have worked their way into the circle of trust or are trying to. What about Luis Garcia? He was gave up five earned runs in four and two-thirds innings uh, against the Giants this weekend. Again, another bad, uh, tough matchup. He's got the Twins next this week. Would you start Luis Garcia this week? It's that Twins lineup? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it. they didn't sell off as many pieces as they could, but, you know, obviously no Cruz, maybe no Donaldson. Regardless... I'm not. Uh, Luis Garcia is in the circle of trust. He's still, um, you know, other than him giving up runs these past two starts, everything else has looked good. What about Shane McClanahan? Six innings, one earned run, seven strikeouts against Boston this weekend. Uh, we have been kind of waiting for Shane McClanahan to put it all together, but he has been pitching deeper into games over his last five starts. Um, where are you on him? Actually, last I, last seven starts, he is uh, he has gone six innings in four of them. I I feel like he's more of an upside play than like a must start guy. So, you know, maybe maybe on the in the outer circle of trust, I would say. What's interesting for McClanahan is uh, four straight starts with his velocity down significantly, mm-hmm. more than one mile per hour on the fastball. But all of them have been good. So I don't know if he's taken a little something off to get better command. Uh, but I found that to be interesting. Marcus Stroman, he has gone fewer than six innings in seven of his last eight starts. Gave up four earned runs in five, in five and two-thirds innings this weekend. Uh, is Marcus Stroman out of the circle of trust? Uh, no. No. But there are... <laughs> It, it is weird that he's not pitching deep into games anymore. And I know there was an IL stint during that time, like in the middle of a very long stretch of not pitching deep into games. Let's see. What is he up to now? Yeah. So seven of his past eight have all been less than six. Mm-hmm. One eight's any, anything to start there and seven yeah. right before that. Right. There was an IL stint in the middle of that. So I don't know. If it's totally fair, but you know, I think Stroman is, 
Yeah, he's obviously not high end, but he's in the circle of trust still. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at that eight or eight start stretch. He still has a three eighty two ERA, which isn't great, but if if that's your worst stretch of the season, that's still pretty good. Uh, what Tarek Skubal? Five eighty six ERA in July, only twenty three strikeouts. He gave up four earned runs and five and two thirds in his most recent start. You know, obviously he was uh, pitching really, really well from the time he made that switch to being more sinker and changeup heavy as opposed to four seam and splitter. But diminishing returns lately, where are you at on Tariq Skubal? I would say he's outside of the circle of trust. I've given some thought to dropping him in some shallower leagues. I still like the upside. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I'm not anxious to drop him, but I don't trust him right now. How about a pitcher who's kind of tough to figure out? Um, interested to see what you think about Jordan Montgomery, who had a solid start against Miami, five innings, one earned run, five strikeouts. The problem is you're getting five innings out of him. That's pretty <laughs> much it. Uh, last six starts dating back to the start of July. Two starts with more than uh, with six innings or more. He pitched into the sixth and another one, but... He's got a 276 ERA with 35 strikeouts and 32 innings in that stretch. Um, he's pitching really well. You know, basically since it looks like it's really since like the start of May. He's got a 348 ERA in his last 16 starts. Yeah. I think trust is a good word for him because I, I really don't you know, I, I think there are definite limits to his upside, but just seems really steady in a way that I think is believable and pretty much every time we're talking about streamer pitchers for the next day Frank lists off Jordan Montgomery regardless of who his opponent is um, picking Jordan Montgomery here's an interesting one who do you trust more Jordan Montgomery or his teammate Jamison Tyone who just put together a 116 ERA over five starts in the month of July 31 innings um Helped along by a 214 Babbitt. The peripherals aren't nearly as good. He basically had the one start with nine strikeouts. And other than that, the results have been good. Uh, yeah. But 16 strikeouts over his last four starts and 24 innings. Um, it's not what you want to see. No. I mean, I'm, I'm, ca- I'm cautiously optimistic about Jamison Tyone because I feel like the underlying numbers actually look better earlier in the year when he wasn't pitching as well. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, I can't say I trust him more than Jordan Montgomery, and I wouldn't even say he's... Tyone is inside the, the circle of trust. Um, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to figure out exactly what was going on in that month of June where, obviously, he had a lot more success on balls in play, July. even though he wasn't missing as many bats. Yeah, it was the month of July, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, July. You, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, what about Kyle Muller? He had a, another very solid start against Milwaukee on Saturday. Seven strikeouts, two walks, one earned run, and five innings pitched. He's got, over the course of the season, a 243 ERA, 33 Ks, and 29 and two-thirds innings. That's over seven appearances, six starts. So it's uh, th- 28 innings and six starts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's upside here for sure. Uh, it's just is he how is like five innings when he's going to top out this at this year is there going to be a lot of walks along the way Mm -hmm. I think probably the answer is yes to both I don't see many six inning seasons happening as a rookie and and walks were an issue through him for 
platform throughout the miners as well. I, I think the stuff is good. I think the long-term value is interesting, but I, I would not put, be putting a lot of trust in Kyle Muller for 2021. That makes sense. All right. Um, we're kind of out of time. There's I know. a lot we didn't get to. Is there? Well, give me, give me, give me two things that you need to talk about before we go. Austin Gomber struggled. Four earned runs in one inning. Uh, what do we think of Austin Gomber? I think we don't need to worry about him based on this start alone. Since April, he had put together a 267 ERA, .88 whip. Mm-hmm. 8.4 K per nine. I mean, you probably overachieved. He had, well, he had become an elite control pitcher after yeah. being really bad before. That. <laughs> really bad in April. Yeah. So, you know, he was due for some regression, but I'm not so anxious to drop him. And I'm not so anxious to drop Tuki Toussaint sure. either. Seven earned runs and three and a third, five strikeouts, two walks. Another one more start like that. And yes, get him out of there. But, you know, he looks so good. The previous two starts, 10 strikeouts in the start just before this one. And even in this bad start against Milwaukee at 11 swinging strikes on 79 pitches, that's a good, good rate. So, you know, give him a mulligan and uh, see if he bounces back next time. All right. And then one more question before we go, is George Springer back to being a top 20 outfielder for you? I never moved him out of my top 20. I didn't either. Yeah. Is he a top 15 outfielder? I'm not sure I moved. Maybe when he was first injured, I moved him outside of my top 15. Is he a but. top 10 outfielder? Eight home runs, 993 OPS in the month of July. Uh, and then he opened August on Sunday with a one for three game with two walks. Top 10. I, man, he's right on the verge of that. I'd put him a little outside, but, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Not for not for any good reason. Kind of kind of parsing at that point. Yeah. It's hard to get him up there. But yeah. He's definitely close. All right, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we go? I think actually I'm looking at some of the stuff we didn't get to in the notes and we kind of snuck it in there in all different right. parts. We talked about all the all the prospective closers already. Yeah. yeah. We, well, I did want to point out James Karinchak. He's been pretty bad since the sticky substance ban. Obviously, I don't want to, you know, imply anything. Although, you know, I think there may have been something going on in Cleveland. I'm not sure what. <laughs> uh, but he's been pretty bad basically since the start of June. His ERA up to 471 over his last 23 appearances. 26 strikeouts and 21 innings is still good, but not James Karinchak. So... Uh, he had, and actually it was actually a little bit before that, the, the end of May was pretty rough too. So if you go back his 28, last 28 out appearances, uh, 20 walks in his last 25 innings with a 648 ERA. Um, mm-hmm. he gave up three earned runs, recorded one out in the eighth inning, and then Emmanuel Class A came in, did allow an inherited runner to score, but got a five out save. I think that was on Friday or Saturday. So, um, seems like it's tilting back towards Emmanuel Class A probably. Uh, yeah, probably. Okay, since you didn't put streamer pitchers in here, I'm going to do it real quick before we go. If you need pitchers to stream for Monday, I like Tyler McGill against the Marlins. Yes. Michael Waka against the Mariners. And I think I would go Ranger Suarez 
against the depleted Nationals yeah. over his opponent Josiah Gray in that game. I, th- those all seem like decent streamers. Could though, be a fun me. one to watch. Could be. Um, all right. That's it. We made it through our first show without Frank. Only four more to go. Uh, I, hope, <laughs> I hope it was okay. Look, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. There a was. A lot of stuff to keep up with. A lot of ins and a lot of outs. A lot of what have you. So, thanks for listening to Fantasy Baseball today. Thanks to Scott White. Uh, Frank, we miss you. We'll see you next week. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.